Welcome, friends, to this special edition of Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. As many of you know, the announcement was made yesterday about the delay in general conference. And Stephanie, we are privileged to have Keith Boyette with us today to answer some questions about that. What was your reaction when you heard that yesterday? You know, I do have to say, Bob, I, I somewhat anticipated this, but a disappointment was my, my reaction, but I'm really excited to have Keith here today. Cause I think he's going to help bring some clarity, some understanding, some uh, visioning for the future. So as Keith always does. So I'm just really glad to have you here, Keith. It's a delight to be with you. Although I wish we were talking about other topics, but <laughs> this is what we must talk about. So that's right. That's exactly right. So why don't I just start off? I'll I'll start off with the first question here, Keith. Um, kind of talk to us about what did the Commission on General Conference ultimately decide, and what were the reasons behind the decision for the delay? Sure. Uh, well, in your show notes, I believe you'll have links to both the Commission's press release and a press release that was issued by the. Council on Bishops, but the Commission on General Conference uh, decided and announced that they were postponing the General Conference that had been scheduled to meet August 29 through September 7th of 2021. They're postponing it for one year uh, to August 29 through September 6th of 2022. It will still be held in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, the reasons uh, are well spelled out in the press release, but to be brief, um, there's still a continuing rise in the number of COVID-19 cases in various parts of the United States, and for that matter, globally. Um, there's concern about whether immunization will be widely available, especially in the countries. Uh, that from which our delegates from outside the United States come. And there's been the recent incidents of variants uh, occurring that introduce uncertainty. And then international travelers have to go through extra hoops in order to be here in the United States. And then there was a concern about access to visa services because in many countries, the embassies, the US embassies have suspended visa services. So all of that uh, made the probability that we were going to be able to pull off a in-person general conference uh, unlikely. And if even if we pulled it off, there was concern that uh, many delegates would not be able to participate, which would deny them their, their opportunity to contribute to our church's holy conferencing. And there was also a technology study committee that tried to see whether it was possible for there to be a, a, a virtual conference like many of our annual conferences have done. Ultimately, they decided that was not feasible, correct? That is, that's right. And um, um, we've all experienced um, the kind of ups and downs of uh, virtual meetings uh, a lot in the last year, but sometimes the conditions in areas outside the United States are even more difficult. They lack infrastructure. Um, there's even countries, for example, Zimbabwe, where uh, in many parts of that country right now, they only have electricity supplied to certain communities for like two hours a day. 
And then you had the time zone differentials. Uh, there's 16 time zones covered by the United States. So just a number of issues in the technology area. But, but um, you know, I think we're all frustrated by this decision. None of us like the decision. Uh, we wanted to get to a place where the, gen the general conference could address the significant issues that are facing the United Methodist Church. But it's my sense that um, most of us anticipated this decision to be made. We hoped that there might be an alternative that would allow us to meet, even if we couldn't have an in-person meeting. But um, the commission's decision to further postpone the in-person general conference, I think is understandable. Now, there was another announcement by the Council of Bishops that they were calling a special general conference, a one-day general conference, to deal with 12 items. Can you give people an overview of what that is about? Sure. They, they, the Council of Bishops has issued a call for a special general conference to be convened online, so it'll be in a virtual format, on May 8th uh, of this year. Um, the, the call, the, when the bishops issue a call, they specify what the agenda is. And so it's always a limited agenda. Other items cannot be added to that agenda unless the delegates approve it by a two thirds vote. So the, the um, agenda items that the bishops specified are 12 pieces of legislation that amend very specific parts of the discipline, largely to address the um, unusual circumstances we are in with a global pandemic, the uh, inability for meetings to occur in person. So authorizing uh, meetings by electronic or digital means and uh, um, other uh, accommodations for the the conditions that we're experiencing so they're they're primarily procedural sorts of amendments to to parts of the discipline um, they also seek to adjust uh, or address the situation where some uh, bishops are at mandatory retirement age and cannot retire because of the current provisions of the discipline so they seek to uh, take care of that issue by amending those provisions to provide that they're automatically retired and then provide a mechanism for the potential election of replacements. So now, in, in, interestingly, uh, let me let me just jump in because yeah. uh, I think it's important to understand the 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 virtual general conference that will occur on May eighth is really limited to the purpose of voting to suspend the rules of the general conference and then amending those rules so as to permit a, a, a vote by a mail-in ballot. Mm -hmm. So that's all the business that the bishops propose occur on that day. And, and, and what, they're, what they're striving to do is to say, okay, we're gonna permit you to vote by mail-in ballot on these 12 pieces of legislation, you will not be able to amend them and you will not have any discussion about them. 
you will be given the option of voting yes or no. That's it. So that's a most unusual uh, plan for a limited agenda general conference. <laughs> yeah, and to say, well, we can't have a virtual general conference, but then we're going to have one. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I mean, it's hard to understand uh, if we can have a a virtual general conference and vote on these matters, which, by the way, while the bishops may consider them to be not controversial, for some delegates, they are a significant alteration of the way we are used to doing business, especially in the central conferences. And I've already seen some uh, back and forth amongst uh, delegates from Africa about how they would want to amend certain of these provisions. And they will be denied that right if the bishops get their way. Hmm. Well, you mentioned something just a few minutes ago, Keith, that that at this special session on May 8th, that if two thirds of the delegates vote to do so, they could add something uh, to the agenda. Do you think that there's any likelihood that they would vote to add the protocol to the agenda? What do you think the possibility of that is? Well, the possibility is there. We have to get to, we'd have to get to a two thirds vote, which is a pretty high standard. Mm -hmm. But you see the, the general thinking, I think, on the part of the bishops is that um, a significant part of the church won't be able to participate in that virtual general conference. Uh, but if they can get a quorum to show up, which is 50% of the 862 delegates, then they can conduct business and they'll, they'll uh, adopt this uh, new rules, okay? Well, if that happens, if they get a quorum, then delegates that are present at that quorum could move to add a vote on the protocol to the agenda items. And they could move, for example, to permit the delegates to either vote yes to adopt the protocol as it is, or to vote defer, indicating that they would like to defer it to the in-person general conference that would occur in 2022. Mm -hmm. The sense is, on my part, uh, given conversation that occurred before the, the postponement of the original date for general conference in May of 2020, was that um, there was widespread support for the protocol um, amongst U.S. delegates, amongst uh, uh, international delegates. And um, and so, and, and there, probably there's no other piece of legislation that has been sliced, diced, examined, <laughs> uh, put through the ringer uh, than the protocol legislation. It, it, it is uh, complex legislation, but it's complex because what it seeks to undertake. Mm -hmm. And really it's not, in my view, humbly, it's not the place of the bishops to determine whether the delegates are going to get to act on this legislation. If the delegates want to act on this legislation, they ought to have the, the right to say so. And so a motion to add a yes or defer vote on the protocol could can be made at this, um, at this virtual general conference uh, uh, that will occur on uh, in in May and and if two thirds of the delegates were to vote for that, then it would be among the thirteen items 
um, that, that would be placed on the agenda. So contact your delegation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, you know, you know how this goes. We're 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 less than, or we're we're essentially twenty four hours after the announcement. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are innumerable people that are strategizing and talking about what might be possible, and and I expect that that will occur right up until the date of the special general conference uh, occurs, the virtual meeting. Uh, so. You know, we really don't know what the strategy will be, but I expect there will be conversation along those lines. That will be fun to watch. And uh, <laughs> the, the Twitter sphere is is very interesting right now to see all the stuff that's going on with people responding to this. But I know that our listeners are primarily interested in now what for us, those of us who are connected to the WCA, those of us who are interested in learning more and wanting to be part of a new denomination when it emerges. So what does this delay, another delay, mean for the WCA and our membership? Well, it, it means a lot of things. Uh, first, um, it means that we, ca we can't move on immediately in the way that we had hoped. Um, we continue to believe that adoption of the protocol is the very best way forward to amicably resolve the deep divisions in the United Methodist Church. It's the only way forward to avoid protracted and expensive litigation. It's the only way forward to avoid payment of significant amounts of money to satisfy pension liabilities. It's the only way forward to ensure release from the trust clause without the payment of significant sums. So um, I expect that most churches would prefer to go that route rather than the alternative. And the alternative is either to try to take advantage of what is known as the disaffiliation process, uh, paragraph 2553, which takes a considerable amount of time and requires the payment of significant sums of money for a church to leave with its property. Um, it, but, but some churches may elect to do that. Uh, some churches may elect to say, uh, we're going to say, sue us, annual conference, uh, and see what happens. Um, uh, and none of, those are, none of those are gonna be easy pathways. I expect, that though frustrated, disappointed, even discouraged by this decision, I expect the great number of churches will say, well, we're going to go on down this road for this additional year. If it doesn't get on that virtual special general conference, we'll go down the road, we'll continue our preparations uh, to amicably depart the United Methodist Church and align with a new denomination that is being formed. Uh, meanwhile, you know, uh, we're continuing to do everything that we have committed to do, much of which we've already accomplished to be in a position, you know, to, to launch a, a new denomination. You know, the other thing I guess I would say here, uh, Bob and Stephanie, is that uh, the WCA, the Wesleyan Covenant Association, and um, Reconciling Ministries Network have 
both been very vocal in their support of the protocol. Uh, in fact, Reconciling Ministries Network, in issuing its statement on the decisions that were announced yesterday, was uh, right up front saying, we continue to support the adoption of the protocol. Um, and and the, the reality is that um, no one amongst the leading bishops, the centrist and progressive leaders who are part of the mediation team have said anything contrary to the commitments that they've made to support the protocol. Um, and I, I, I wanna er right now urge those leading bishops and other centrist and progressive leaders who participated in arriving at the protocol to be vocal publicly in their support of and their working for the adoption and implementation of the protocol as they committed to do when they signed with me the protocol agreement. Privately, they voiced their continued support, but they need to do more than that in these days. There's a lot of uh, anxiety uh, in the church, not just on the theologically conservative side, uh, those who are centrist and progressives are very anxious because I remind our listeners, we're still operating under a book of discipline that was adopted in 2019 by the General Conference, which has provisions in it that the uh, centrist and progressives uh, gives them heartburn and they want, they want those provisions changed. So they're very anxious about where we are right now as well. Mm -hmm. So Keith, You've been encouraging us then. We're so grateful to you. You've been so encouraging up to this point, even with a somewhat disappointing announcement that we're dealing with. But what else would you say to pastors, to laity, to the churches, to the folks that are listening today that are really left in a difficult situation for at least another 18 months? I mean, here in Oklahoma, I, I am fortunate that I have a few, uh, conservative and traditionalist friends here and, and, um, as pastors and both as laity, but I think about my buddy, Bob Kaler, who is out in the West. And I think about what he's dealing with. So what would you say to people who are really left in this difficult situation and might even be considering leaving the UMC in this interim period? Yeah. Before, before you say anything, Keith, the other possibility you didn't mention was going into the bishop's office with a big stick and throwing it on the floor and hoping that it becomes a snake so that we can say, <laughs> let well, my yeah, people I, go. I not, that yeah, was I, not in the realm of possibility, but we have considered <laughs> it here in the West. I, I, well, and I've got, I've got my staff right here in my office. It's uh, <laughs> warmed up and ready to go. But, uh, and by, by the way, uh, I'll, I'll, well, with lots more kidding, uh, you know, Bob's an infantryman. So he's mm -hmm. used to being dropped behind the lines and having <laughs> to fight his way to safety. So, <laughs> True. Uh, I, 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 but I am, uh, you're right. Context is everything. Mm -hmm. And some of us are in very difficult places uh, in, this, in this journey. Um, I'd say several things to our listeners. First, I want to just say we're, we're going to be announcing a significant development on Monday with respect to the new global theologically conservative Methodist church. Uh, and so, so I, I, people, I would say, stay tuned 
Uh, there's something big coming Monday. Second, uh, so we will have a special we... episode dropping on Monday to describe this. So, okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, stay tuned on Monday for uh, another drop of a Holy Conversations podcast. But, um, you know, the WCA, um, part of its commitment from the very beginning was that if it was necessary, we would provide a mechanism for theologically aligned churches, clergy, and laity to remain connected for faithful and effective ministry to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in the best of the Methodist tradition. And so I would say now's not the time for us to fragment and scatter and become islands unto ourselves. And, that, and that's really what either we're choosing if we say, you know what, individually I'm fed up, I'm going to leave the church that has nurtured me, the local church that's nurtured me, that where I've helped disciple other people. And I'm just going to, I'm going to go off either and not go anywhere, or I'm going to go find uh, some church of another flavor to live out. W what you're saying then is you're willing to seed the ground to others. And, and I believe Jesus is calling us to be faithful in this time and to remain connected. Um, hey, you know, the, um, the, the Hebrews were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. Mm -hmm. once, uh, once they left, Pharaoh let them go. They were in the wilderness for 40 years before they got to the promised land. Uh, when they were exiled, it was 70 years of exile. It was 400 years uh, after the last prophet spoke to Jesus coming. Um, you know, the, the amount of time we've been at this is hardly even a blink of the eye in the scheme of things. It seems huge to us. And I don't mean to minimize mm -hmm. the fact that we don't want to waste a day in this, but I would urge people to have patience mm -hmm. and to have faith, to have hope in what God is doing. Uh, another thing I would say is that uh, I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning, and the, the commentator was talking about how we live in a culture where we begin to make decisions even before we have all the facts. You know, we fill in the blanks with our anxieties. <laughs> and um, I would urge people not to be impulsive. Um, I, I, I wrote some po folks... Um, you know, last night, uh, uh, a statement that just said, uh, you know, uh, right now, what we need to be doing is um, taking a deep breath, praying fervently, knowing that it is our God who battles on our behalf, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our wounded spirits. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think God is bringing us through what I would call the fire, and we definitely want him to receive the glory mm -hmm. and we want him to do it his way and not for us to follow the idols that we would erect in the meantime. Um, there's one other thing I'm going to say, and this is really very personal um, for me. Uh, you know, each of us has to weigh what God is calling us to do individually and as local churches with respect to how we deploy the financial resources that God has entrusted to us for kingdom purposes during this season. Well, my wife Pamela and I have, you know, talked about over that over time. We we prayed about it last night. 
uh, we're making those kinds of decisions. And one of the things that we've decided is that a significant part of our giving for kingdom purposes are gonna be directed to the next Methodism fund that the Wesleyan Covenant Association has established, which purposes to provide the necessary startup funds for the new denomination that we've worked towards and that will be launched. And, and uh, we don't make that decision lightly. We're gonna to continue to generously give to our local church because we believe in the ministries that it is doing. But um, for us, we want those money, the monies that we would give to our local church that might go beyond the local church. We want it to go for that which we are behind from a kingdom perspective. And so, you know, I, I encourage our listeners individually to consider a similar path of giving. It's, it's something that um, God has entrusted to each of us individually to do. Um, now, you know, what does this mean in this time? Uh, uh, you know, gosh, I, I, I think uh, some of us are well aware that uh, while we would have been ready to go in May of 2020 if uh, the general conference had been held as originally planned, we certainly have uh, made the most out of this delay that has come to this point. And our churches, we as leaders, um, what we have prepared is much better prepared today than it would have been you know, almost a year ago. Um, I trust God. He, kn he knows what he wants to do in this time of crisis. And I believe he's going to use this time, enable us to use this time to have an even stronger movement that emerges from this, uh, for us to have leaders raised up and churches excited about the future. Um, and and um, uh, he'll, he'll redeem this time. You know, one of the great mm -hmm. promises of scripture is that God will restore that which the locusts have consumed. <laughs> and um, I believe, uh, I've experienced that in my life and I believe uh, our God is that kind of God. And so um, just recognizing that God is teaching us things, he's revealing things to us in this season. He's helping us rediscover the importance of connectedness, of disciple making, of accountable discipleship, all of those things. Redeem this time and continue that process of, um, uh, of being well-informed, of um, being prayed up, of, of having significant conversations in your congregation that would help people get excited about the future. Uh, those are all things. And, and, and by the way, we still have our primary mission. You know, this is not our primary mission, what we're talking about today and the future of, of Methodism. Our primary mission is to, you know, make disciples of Jesus Christ who, who worship passionately, who love extravagantly, who witness boldly. And, and help others come to know Jesus and grow and be formed as his disciples. That's where we ought to direct our energies right now. I, as you were speaking, it reminded me of a book I read when I was on sabbatical a couple of years ago by an actual shepherd in the lake country in, in England, uh, James Rebanks. And he talked about the three rules of shepherding, which I thought were perfect, not only for shepherding actual sheep, but also our spiritual sheep. 
He said the three roles of shepherding, one is to recognize it's not about you, it's about the sheep and the land. Secondly, that sometimes you just can't win. And thirdly, shut up and go do the work. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's kind of what this, this is one of those moments. We're still shepherding. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some di- some days it rains and some days there's stuff going on that's that's miserable, but you've got to k- still do the work. And the work in our local churches continues regardless. Most of my people don't know much about what's going on. They don't care as long as when they show up on Sunday, that something is happening in worship, they're receiving the word, the spirit is present, or they have opportunities to go out in mission and do their thing. That's what I have to remind myself of all the time, you know, that, that the work continues, regardless of what name is outside, um, we're going to continue this work and we'll, we'll move into the new future when the time comes. I've been reading Psalm, 1, Psalm 13 a lot. How long, oh Lord? Mm-hmm. It's a good one for these days, but I, I hope that we can be, have that kind of holy patient, patience, which is a fruit of the spirit not something that comes naturally to us. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's a good word, um, Bob. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I really think uh, this is a time to dig deep into God's word. You're right. Psalm 13 and so many other Psalms, you know, Psalm 40 that talks about waiting on the Lord. Um, God's building our spiritual muscles right now. And, you know, um, I can't say I ever really joyfully look at uh, look forward to going to the gym. I mean, I know there's some people out there that that's the high point of their day. But uh, for me, um, you know, it's a grueling task to work those muscles at this point. And um, so I never voluntarily sign up for those kinds of things. But I've learned that great benefit comes from that, even if I go unwillingly. Likewise, I think in these days, God is building our spiritual muscles. He's investing us with abilities that we don't have right now. He's helping us discover spiritual gifts that he has planted in our lives, and he is bearing fruit for the kingdom, and we can rejoice in that. Yeah, I mean, our very movement was inflamed on a day when John Wesley unwillingly went to Aldersgate Street. That is such an encouragement to me. Yes. (laughs) Shut up and go do the work, right? Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I certainly fervently pray for um, our listeners as they process all that's going on. And there'll be so much more that will be said in the coming days. Um, you know, the story is not over till God says it's over. And, um, you know, we know who wins in the end, uh, who's on the throne today, who's interceding for us right this moment. So we're people of faith. And um, that means we see beyond what seems to be obvious to that which is beyond that is of the kingdom. Well, Keith, we want to thank you for joining us for this kind of flash mob version of the of the podcast. <laughs> we knew that there would be a lot of people with questions out there. Stephanie, do you have any last words for us? You know, I just, again, would echo your thanks to Keith and to so many that work alongside you, Keith, for uh, the tireless and 
work that you all put into this. We're just really grateful. And I, I'm concerned that maybe you don't hear that enough. So I'm sure that our listeners are echoing that gratitude as well. And I would just encourage our listeners to do exactly what Keith has said, to continue to pray, to continue to stay the course, uh, to shut up and do the work and to remember that God has given us a great mission. And that doesn't stop when we're discouraged or when we're concerned about the future, we can still continue with the work that he's called us to. By the way, that shut up and stay the work is a Pennsylvania saying. I think. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Bob we're, can get away with we're, that. We're grounded in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, know, mili- uh, there's uh, a military equivalent that I can't share on the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're right. You're right. Thank yeah. You. So, Thank you so much, Bob and Stephanie, for the great job that you all do with this podcast and beyond. And uh, hey, look forward to Monday. Right. Yes, we'll have another episode dropping on Monday with some some big announcements. So make sure you're tuning in to that. That'll drop early in the morning, Monday morning, along with some other stuff. Lots of stuff coming out from WCA on Monday. But we wanted to get this particular episode out to you because we knew a lot of people had questions about the general conference delay. So make sure you share this with people. Uh, you can have them subscribe on their favorite podcast platform. You can send them the link. Uh, which will be going out on all of our WCA platforms as well so that they can they can hear from Keith and hear, you know, sort of a different perspective on what's going on. Uh, this has been really helpful for me and uh, I'm sure it'll be helpful for others as well. We do encourage you to continue to send us your questions and comments at podcast at wesleyandcovenant.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at WCA pod We'll put a lot of stuff in the show notes for today so that you can click on these links and learn more about what's happening with General Conference and what next steps might be. So thank you, Stephanie. It's always great to be on with you. Thank you again, Keith. Mm -hmm. And we'll catch you again next time on Monday when we gather for Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. We'll see you then.